0: welcome to the MMA Geeks podcast this is Stan Drive with my friend and co-host Nick Braccia Nick how are you doing this week
1: doing well uh, been busy but I'm excited for these uh, for these fights on Saturday night it's a it's a nice card we miss uh, you know we miss Romero um, you know coming off getting taken off the car being replaced by uh, Jacker Manson but uh, it's still a pretty entertaining card with a lot of uh, a lot of veterans, uh, a few guys in their prime, and uh, it's actually a really deep veteran card, to be honest. Going going up and down, um, and a couple of uh, a couple of prospects that have uh, big challenges ahead of
0: them. Yeah, agreed, man. It's a solid card in that. Like almost every name is recognizable, um, and yeah, just a bunch of fights to look forward to. We've got some veterans, as you mentioned, in fights where they can kind of win against these prospects or against these younger up and comers. Um, there's certainly not bouts in which the veteran is seen as a big underdog bouts that can go either way, which makes it interesting, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, but what, what could just be called gatekeeper fights, but they're, they're kind of interesting gatekeeper fights.
0: Yeah. They're, they're usually a gatekeeper fight. Uh, it is the prospect versus the veteran, but the prospect is usually favored. Um, the right. style matchup seems to be what makes it interesting. Um, so w- we will get into that card. We should talk about UFC and ESPN plus seven Overeem versus Olielnik. Uh You got a win by one fight on me, Nick. It was that Roxanne Matafari Shevchenko bout, I think, that clinched it for you.
1: That's uh, you know I am very very loyal and uh, yes, but I also had a feeling um, following like what Roxanne's been writing for Bloody Elbow, following um, her blog, she just. Uh, seemed ready and the way that she talked about her last loss to Sajara Eubanks where she said that she really did everything technically right she just wasn't strong enough and was not physically capable of winning the fight even though she knew what to do in in every minute and in this fight I knew that she wasn't going to have that big of a, she would have an, uh, an athleticism deficiency but not necessarily a strength deficiency um and because she was not dealing with with uh Shevchenko being really a one-shot knockout artist, which is which there aren't a lot of uh, in women's MMA period. Um, that I, I had a feeling she was going to find her way to that body lock, um, and you know, and then she did some sweet trips and was able to um, command the fight, get them out, and and really, uh, I think, um, dominate large portions of the fight. And although she certainly got touched up a bit on the feet, um, she was never kind of hurt. She just took a few to get inside was kind of, uh, you know, was kind of what it looked like. Um, so I, I thought she I thought she was um, I thought she did better and was more dominant than I expected her to be. And though it wasn't a blowout, I was very surprised that a judge uh, had, a, had a, uh, scored it um, for Shevchenko.
0: Oddly enough, Nick, I'm pretty sure that was the one Russian judge that was uh,
1: about. Yeah, I was watching it with a a fan of Olympic sports, a buddy of mine who's not an MMA fan. But that was his comment right away, like, yeah, Russian judge.
0: (laughs) Yep. It's no coincidence. It's the same kind of thing that happened when Fyodor Milenenko fought um, in in, Fabio Maldonado. That's right. And Fabio uh, Maldonado uh, damn near (laughs) killed him in two of those rounds. (laughs) <laughs> and Fedor still walked away with the decision win and i think the one judge that uh scored it for maldonado ended up getting some heat from the from the commission over there i mean it's it's actually pretty crazy
1: yeah they that, keep- that they
0: allowed that one judge in there at least for that bout i'm sure i'm sure that was probably the case for several of the bouts
1: yeah i was anyway, i was really i was really happy for I'm, I'm a homer for Roxy, and uh it was um her follow-up, uh, she had a she had a really good uh, post on fight preparation on bloody elbow, and then just I think yesterday posted about the experience of uh, going through the fight, everything from travel to hotel accommodations to weight cut to the fight itself. Um, always great to get very uh, thoughtful insight on the on the experience of what it means to be a pro fighter at this level uh, from her.
0: To me, what it sounds like, Nick, is that you've been dealing with some insider training. How is it that you have all this inside information, and and, and you're I, and you're and you're essentially placing bets on these bouts, Nick? Like, that doesn't seem all
1: right. <laughs> you mean to beat you? Listen, man, it was a like she was fighting a top. She was she's ranked whereas Shevchenko really isn't, and she was a, a great Muay Thai fighter. But
0: no, that's fair. It, I, it, I, I, rocks, I I definitely saw that.
1: She's a martial artist. I didn't know for for certain. I just knew she was prepared. Yeah. Um,
0: no doubt i I saw it really as a pick and bout, and I edged Shevchenko because of her athleticism advantage. I figured that Matafari tends to lose to the more athletic fighters as she kind of as you alluded to with her article about her bout versus Serijah Eubanks. where she felt well, at she least the, at least the stronger fighters like I think
1: she does okay against uh against good athletes um, as if, long as they can be taken down yeah, I every, agree. it's yeah. The very powerful fighter. She doesn't. She she has difficulty answering.
0: Yeah, we know that now. That Antonina is not a fraction of the fighter uh, of the clinch fighter. Certainly not a fraction of the ground fighter that her sister is. And it's interesting because I believe Antonina is the is the older, more experienced sister. The the more experienced fighter. And yeah, it just you know that's somebody that I think her sister would have done you know, would have kind of cleaned up against, not that she would have beat up Matafari, but she would have clearly won, I think a decision against Matafari, who's kind of hard to finish. Um, I I do like, I I do look forward to your loyalty to Modifari paying off when she finally fights her way up to the title shot. I'll probably keep picking against her every fight until then. And I'm going to keep taking these losses, but man, when she fights, um, when she fights the, the, uh, the 125 pound champion, uh, when she fights the other Shevchenko sister, I look forward to you picking
1: Waterford friend right Well, now. You know, she's going to have – she has a big charge ahead of her there because when I looked at the rankings today, um, she's tied with her good friend and training partner, Jojo Calderwood, for number five. Guess who's number four at flyweight according to the UFC rankings?
0: Uh, uh, I would imagine it's a Brazilian powerhouse of some sort.
1: It is not. It is a Polish warrior.
0: Nina an answer off?
1: Nope. Joanna
0: I'm looking at that. Yeah, Oh, uh, she. Oh, weird. I'm. I'm looking at. Um,
1: champion is currently. I do not know if she's going to go back down to um, strawweight or not, but she's currently ranked fourth at flyweight, and that seems to me to be the the fight to make either that or, or Karmush at three, uh, who poses a challenge uh, for Roxy, who who often makes uh, um, Karmush often makes technical mistakes and, and strategic mistakes but she is very strong um so that that's an interesting fight i think i think it'll be one of those two fighters for her karmish or join champion either one is a is uh i think a tougher fight than either of those fights that she had on uh on tough being uh nico, nico montero or Sajara eubanks i think those are both uh, harder fights. I'd also like to see her fight Jennifer Maya again because their their Invictus scrap was so good.
0: Um that would be an interesting battle. I, I don't know. I wonder if is trying to get up there, but yeah she's ranked number five now. That's pretty significant. She's, she's- five,
1: 36. Like what you know what it's what else are you gonna do? You're here to either you're, you're
0: here to win, right? Yep. Yep. Fair she enough. I, I Caitlyn Chukagian at number two, which is shocking to me. Am I missing something? Yeah the rank I mean the well isn't
1: you Ju- Who's fighting Nina Ansaroff? Someone, she's got to fight very soon.
0: You, you, know, you know what I realized, Nick, that this is very much a developing division. This is 125 we're talking about. It's very yes. much a developing this division. And the reason I mentioned Nina Ansaroff is because for some reason I had 115 pounds in mind. Um, yeah, like – Right, right. Um, th- th- this is a division that Ronda Rousey mowed through, the kind of division that Ronda Rousey mowed through before actual athletes with confidence started fighting her. Um, this is, th- this is like such early stage stuff. This is the kind of division that at one point, um, uh, somebody we're going to see fighting later tonight, Carlos Parza was the champion of it's developing. It's such an early stage now where, yeah, like on the one hand, I'm surprised to see Madafari and Calderwood at number five and, and Shukage at number two. Uh, actually,
1: Sparza was the strawweight champion.
0: Carlos, Barza. Uh, well, yeah, I know. Uh, well, uh, that's what I meant, and that. Oh, well, you're
1: comparing. You got it. You're comparing it to the
0: the divisions, right? At, yeah. at this point in their kind of development, as yeah. far as it was the best back when, back when we had no idea who was number two, three, four, five, six, or seven, let alone number one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of what's happening here. I, I, I'm pretty confident that Valentina Shevchenko is the best 125 pounder in the world, and she deserves that title. But everybody under her is a complete question mark. And you can tell because Jessica I is the number one contender uh, in that division. Like that makes you raise your eyebrow at the very least.
1: Yeah, and I also think you're dealing with a, a talent gap after Shevchenko that is as stark as the, uh, or maybe more stark than the gap uh, between DC and the rest of
0: uh, heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, well, DC, yeah, well,
1: DC well DC the gap that was at light heavyweight, but it's 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 got short up since Jones showed up again.
0: Yeah, I, uh, yeah. certainly right now, DC, I think, would not want to fight Angano. Uh, I know we're jumping subjects here, but I, I think he'd want to avoid it. I was thinking DC,
1: Yeah, DC light heavyweight during the run when Jones was gone. But I hear that. yeah, that, yeah. And, and what Jones is kind of dealing with now, there's just like...
0: But, but I don't know, that's just a bad division. I think 125 has the potential to be a great division. It's just so early yeah. that we have no clue what's what um we're also going to be dealing with some new entries that this top 10 will be populated i think by completely different names in at least eight or nine of those spots this time next year i think a lot will be figured out in the meantime and a lot of people are going to work their way uh rightfully into that top 10 again jessica at number one chukagian at number two uh liz Carmouche at number three i mean you know this doesn't sound like a glam division by any means
1: no nah. And then all of a sudden you've got Joanna champion, it's one of the pound for pound greatest fighters, uh, champions of uh, of the last ten years, is at number four. But at number four, she,
0: Jessica I, two. Liz Carmouche, and Caitlin Shukagian. I mean, this is insanity. Like, like I know she had the one fight and that was a loss to Shevchenko in this division. But I mean, the the rankings make very little sense in, in that case. But good yeah. on Joanna to be top five in two divisions.
1: Yeah. So let's. Uh, what else we got on that card? We had uh, the main event, where uh, Overeem um, steamrolled uh, Mr. Ezekiel choke after uh, surviving a, a, an assault of, <laughs> of like running, running. Uh, I don't know. Wide arm. The, what
0: to call that either, Nick?
1: What those shots? I have no idea what those punches were.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he was going for it. I think maybe he was hoping he thought his best shot was to overwhelm or surprise Overeem by hurting him early, either knocking him out or then hurting him enough to to drag him to the floor in a advantageous position, but Overeem was having none of it. They've trained together before and I think that Alexi Oleanik gets a lot of his edge over his prior opponents because they have no idea what he does on the ground. They've never experienced it before. Overeem has. They've shared a training camp together several years back and he has a pretty good idea of what's what, and he realizes he's way better than him everywhere, and he just needs to avoid a couple of positions. Uh, he whooped that ethnic.
1: Yeah, he did. And those, I mean, those, those clothesline, loopy, weird shots were not going to, I don't think you're going to put out Alistair over him that way. He's much, he's, I mean, he's never been great defensively, but he's more, ca- he's more cautious than he used to be. And he weathered a little bit of a storm, and then uh, he did his thing. He still has the, you know, the evilest knees in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: he has some yeah, pretty nasty nice Ask Brock Lesnar about those
0: knees. Well, yeah, that that was a very different iteration of Overeem that dropped those knees on Lesnar. To be fair, yeah. that was a fair fight. Um, yeah, Overeem, by the way, speaking of, does he look a little more in shape than uh, he recently has been to you, Nick? Um, he didn't. He didn't look like that. He didn't look at the, just like he to lift
1: weights again. But I'd, have to look at, I'd have to look at another shot.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he 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 looks a little more in shape than he has in a little while. Uh, again, not throwing out an accusation. I think maybe he just started to incorporate some strength training back into his uh, training routine. I guess. But looks, I mean, he he. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I mean, he looks good, but he doesn't. He doesn't look. Uh, he doesn't look. You know, like he's on the super horse meat. Oh no, he looks
0: like a different animal. Uh, back then nick. Like, yeah, he doesn't
1: look like he doesn't look like strike force over him
0: no he doesn't although I, I i did and again i can't wait to see what tangent we end up on here but uh, i recently saw an interview with vitor belfort after he signed with one fc and nick uh, wearing a t-shirt and you could just tell by the size of his neck that you know he's getting his mojo back he's feeling good again
1: yeah he's he's, he's back on the vitamins
0: I I, th- I think you very well might be, and I think my, one FC might just uh, make that a lot easier than you it did. You know what? Maybe if Vitor was the best pound for pound light heavyweight in the world, he can get away with it. But no, sir, not under current circumstances. Uh, hopefully in the UFC. hopefully
1: Mike, Michael Bisping follows him around the globe, trolling him.
0: Um, uh, great. Um, is it Nick? I recently saw an interview. Um, I can't quite recall. With who, somebody told a story recently. And and they basically said that Michael Bisping like took out his eye. Like, it, did, have you heard anything about the fact that he actually does not have an eye? He's actually I, missing an eye.
1: No, I did not hear that he had to re, that he had to replace his eye. Um, not not that he
0: had to replace it, but that there's actually one of those like uh, fake he eyeballs a, in
1: there. that he has a glass eye. That one of his eyes is fake now.
0: Right, r- right. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I, find I'm gonna find this interview and I'm gonna tell you exactly who it's with. But it was. And this is probably silly of me to even bring this up without without naming the source, but it it was fascinating to me. Like, Vitor Belfort, back when he was on the Good Supplements, did that kind of damage. I'm looking it up right now. Um, But, uh, yeah, just, just... you know, you, you, need, you need to be John Jones to get away with using steroids in the UFC. Overeem uh, can't quite get away with it, and Vitor Belfort's getting away with it elsewhere. Overeem had a pretty awesome performance against Olenek, and I think he will have these kind of impressive performances unless you put him up against the top two or three guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got Islam Makachev, who fought uh, Armand Um a pretty darn competitive bout considering Islam Makachev is kind of a UFC mainstay. I think he's something like six or seven and one coming into this bout in the UFC, whereas Armand was making his UFC debut. He was coming into this bout with a 13 and one record. Um, having, having looked pretty good uh, in the, on the scene in Russia, Islam essentially out hustled him by just a, by a little bit. And really, I think a lot of it was his experience that came through there. Armand looked really good at it on his UFC debut uh, in a loss and I look forward to seeing him compete in the future I think he's going to be able to beat a lot of guys in that division judging on judging by that performance and what weight class was that fight in again this was at 155 lightweight
1: that's a busy busy division but no short no shortage of contenders
0: yeah and, and again this is a guy I think that we we will be we'll have some moments where we're very impressed by him Again, you're right in that it's a deep division. It's tough to really make your way to the very top. Islam Makachev has been playing his trade there for years, and and he's still not considered a top guy, even though he should be. Um, so he
1: lost to he got he got he got laid out by someone, or he walked into something.
0: Islam just had that one loss to. Uh, just give me a second here to Adriano Martins, but that was back in okay. 2015. I mean, ever since then, he's undefeated at now five and zero in the UFC since that bout, and. Overall, his record is now now six and one in the UFC. So, yeah,
1: he's, he's taking out you know knocking out Gleason Tebow, even the the older Gleason post suspension Tebow, and and uh, winning a decision like winning a decision against Nick Lentz is no small uh, achievement.
0: Especially out wrestling Nick Lentz. Um Kajon yeah. Johnson, he finished in the first round. Tebow, he finished in the first round. Uh, Chris Wade, who was a prospect certainly going into that bout and I think still is to some extent uh he I think decisively beat yeah he's Islam Makachev is legit he trains with the best lightweight in the world with Khabib Nurmagomedov and I think that it's time for a big step up let's let's see him ply his trade against one of the top five in the world I think he asked for it after the bout um unfortunately he wasn't you know wasn't kind of planning ahead enough to, to get a, an opponent lined up so he can call someone out. But he did basically ask for someone in the top five. So I hope he gets that. Top five. Really would, like to see him?
1: would you like to see him fight?
0: Next up, I, let's see, at lightweight, I would love to see a Kevin Lee. Um, I don't think a, a Gaethje or I Quinto would want to fight him at this point. Lee, Lee's at welterweight now. You're, yeah, that's a fair point. Although he, he's still number six, I guess, at lightweight, which makes sense. Uh, Barboza, Cerrone, Pettis, uh, who I know is is open to uh, fight in either division. Paul Felder would be a good fight for him, I think.
1: Maybe the loser of Iaquinta Cerrone. I know they like to match winner, winner, loser, lo- winner, winner, loser, loser. But I think when you're dealing with a guy who isn't still isn't super well-known in the States.
0: Right, th- th- that's think, when you set up that I think kind of loser of, of
1: Iaquinta Cerrone makes a lot of
0: sense. Yeah. Plus, Makachev doesn't speak a lick of, or he speaks very little English, and he's not necessarily the most entertaining fighter to watch. So there's not really a whole lot of reason for the UFC to take care of him and give him uh, promising matchups or necessarily give him big names that he can, uh, that he has the stylistic advantage over. So I think that you know he's 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 going to get in there with some guys with pretty good takedown defense, but uh, I just I just don't see the cheese the Quintas, the Fergusons, like wanting to fight the guy it's just kind of a risk gillespie Gillespie'd probably want to fight him uh yeah you know what i would love to see that bout i think that would be such a great test for both of those guys Islam was more rounded but gillespie's uh pressure and pace you got to wonder whether whether it can kind of take over and give Islam some, some issues i would love to see a, that fight as a flat round main event um is gillespie currently uh scheduled to fight someone nick
1: <coughs> pardon me i don't think he's booked I think they were trying to do him and Kevin Lee, and then Kevin Lee switched divisions, is what I heard.
0: That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would love to see that matchup between Gregor Gillespie. Um, I, I, th- I think I uh, think versus Islam Makhachev, I think that would be a great one to put together. And I think it, it would be nice to see both of them deal with the kind of style that they usually bring to their opponents. They're both top position wrestlers for the most part. Uh, who just kind of make you want to make you want to quit from that position? And I'm curious which one of these guys ends up on top. I'd, fa- I'd favor uh, Gillespie early and maybe Islam late. Um, although it seems like Gillespie usually needs to wear a guy down in order to really get to a point where he's finishing or dominating. So maybe it'll be maybe it'll be uh, Makachev fresh early and, and Gillespie wearing late because Gillespie's gas tank seems to be unlimited.
1: Yeah, well, it's a it's a fight I'd be excited to see. Gillespie, I think you know he's thirty two. He's a prospect. He's, he's been fighting two times a year. I think he needs to be fighting three, four times a year.
0: But you um, know, those uh, he, those bass are going to fish themselves. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> he is, uh, he um, he's, Anything else on anything else on that card that's worth talk that's worth uh, bringing up before we go into UFC on ESPN plus eight.
0: Yeah, um, we differed on the Martin Tiber versus Shamil Abdurahimov bout. Um, that one went in my favor, <laughs> but we also we also differed on the Magomed Bustafayev versus Rafael Fiziev uh, bout. That was the first fight on the of the night. Faziev being the more technical Muay Thai fighter, I favored him in his UFC debut. And Magomed Bustafayev with his explosive kicks, he just threw a few of them early on. And the first one that landed clean ended the bout. It was a spinning, I think, heel kick to the head that, that knocked down Fiziev. Um Exactly I, as yeah. I
1: had predicted.
0: Well done, sir. You, you, you did predict. <laughs> actually, you, you, even, you even predicted the time. I'm pretty sure I remember you saying 126 of the first round. So, really, yeah. um, a A quick shout-out to Mikhail um who beat Gazemiruad Antigulov. Uh, Mikhail is, like, a legit prospect at 205. That guy hits incredibly hard. He's already got a couple of... Decent names on his record, and a lot of folks thought that this Antigulov bet was uh, kind of a bad style matchup for him. They thought he'd get taken down and submitted, and he made it look easy with the way he just – I think he knocked down Antigulov something like four or five times. And then we've got uh, his win over Gian Vellante Before that, he beat Khalil Roundtree um, by, by unanimous decision who had a, a, an excellent win recently. Um, he's starting to come into his own, and, and I'm, I've got my eye on this kid. Nick, you are eating something delicious. Tell me more.
1: No, no, no. I'm typing because I realized I didn't know a lot about Verna Gendero. on the card?
0: Oh, I see. Um, I, wasn't,
1: I, wasn't, I wasn't eating at all. I was like, I want to. Get, I realized I hadn't made a pick on the Asparza fight, but we could talk about that a little bit later.
0: Yes, but, sir. Uh, you, caught actual-
1: me, you caught me doing my doing some homework.
0: No, uh, nothing wrong with that at all. By the way, nothing wrong with chewing if you can get away with it. It just sounded like chewing. I, I as you as you re hear this. Um, you, you'll uh, you, you'll see it genuinely sounded like something delicious.
1: Yeah, that's it, nothing. I had there was good spaghetti a couple hours ago, but
0: fair uh. enough. So, uh, as a matter of fact, Nick, my wife and I just uh, for me it was a rewatch. For her, it was the first time watching the first episode of Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. So yeah, so so th- that was pretty cool. I, I kind of introduced her to it because she's been hearing all about it. I figured uh, I figured she needs some company watching it. Um, you pick up a lot more as you watch it a second time. Not that we need to stick to the subject.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I meaning to go back and catch. You. I'm a few seasons behind still, um, but got
0: a lot of good ahead of you, my, my friend. You've got you've got some promising things happening as you yeah. as you get back into it.
1: That's what I'm. That's what I'm told.
0: So pretty awesome card coming up: UFC on ESPN, 8, Jacare versus Hermanson this Saturday. Um, like like we said earlier, a lot of familiar names. A lot of people, like, I didn't even need to watch very much tape for this event because most of these guys, I know how they fight. I know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, And we've got a pretty interesting matchup in the main event between Ronaldo Jacques Souza and Jack Hermanson. Souza being known as the elite grappler, probably the best grappler, the best pure jiu-jitsu fighter in the history of the 185-pound UFC division. Um, going in there, you know he he's not he's not a young man. He's mm-hmm. at a point in his career where it's title shot or bust. He's 39 now, um, having looked pretty good in the majority of his last few bouts. But then if you look at his record, you realize the all Romero loss, the Robert Whitaker loss, the Kelvin lost. loss. Uh, those are three of his last seven bouts. So he's going into this bout. A lot of close fights, though. No doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he doesn't he, he didn't get um, beat up in any of those bouts. And uh, the
1: it, it could fight very close until it wasn't.
0: Yeah, Kelvin uh, Gastelum bout was also close, too. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jack Hermanson, who's kind of the young prospect coming up, he's got a couple of signature wins in his last two bouts against actually Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts um, and on the ground. Uh, if you count Gerald Mirchard, who I think might be a brown or a black belt, that's three submissions in a row against black belts. Um, he's got a win over Thalys Ladies, a win over Dave Branch, uh, Ladies on the ground with ground and pound branch with a guillotine choke. Mirchard, he choked out in the first round with the guillotine as well. Um, what are your thoughts on this bout, Nick? Who do you favor?
1: Even though he's aging and even though Hermanson is charging, I just don't. I think that currently, if there's a weakness in the armor, the way to beat Jacques um, is, is with quick, precise striking, and to rock, rock him early. Hermanson seems to storm guys and, and force, it kind of like uh, you know, brute his way into mount. I don't think that works on Jacare. I think he's I think he's too strong, um, and too and too savvy. I just I don't see Jacare ending up in mount at at his mercy. Um, and I could see him, Dr. Jacare um, taking advantage of his aggressiveness and either ending up with his back or catching a, or catching a guillotine. Um, so I'm going to—I think Jacare ends the fight in the second round by— um, I'm going to say by TKO.
0: Do you think he hurts him on the feet and finishes him on the floor? Do you think uh, he takes I him think, down and pounds him out? I think he
1: ends up in a in – a, I think he turns the tables on Hermanson and um, ends up delivering delivering blows that Hermanson can't defend.
0: Okay. Um, I'm in agreement with you on this bout. It's Ronaldo, Souza or Buss for me. Hermanson's – A solid up-and-comer. He's got a lot of solid – he's got a lot of good attributes, right, And that he persevered through some hard times against Dallas ladies in order to come back and get that victory. He's got – he says the best ground-and-pound in MMA. I think he's got some pretty darn effective ground-and-pound. And Um, and he's got a couple of sneaky submissions. I think his actual submission game is underrated as it was by David Branch. Um, He surprised him with that beautiful setup into the arm and guillotine – in the in his last bout just a few weeks ago yeah I favor Souza here I think that the style the style certainly favors him in a big way um Jacare is he's an excellent grappler a top position grappler more specifically he's got explosive takedowns and a judo background and he's got he's got kind of this forward moving aggressive power game that one that Chris Weidman bowed it, uh, for him, even though he was kind of behind for the majority of it up until he tagged them. Um, I think Souza's got a lot of strengths that Hermanson can't necessarily deal with. If Hermanson is not the better grappler, and he's not the harder hitter standing, right. that's a really bad matchup. Hermanson is used to having an advantage on the ground, and I don't expect them to here. I mm-hmm. favor the uh, I, I favor Jacare to beat out Joker here.
1: So we're agreed on the next first. Yeah, yeah. The
0: first to say this is I right. right. you enjoy
1: picking a Greg Hardy.
0: Sure. What the logic is here? But Greg Hardy, in his fifth MMA fight, is going up against Dmitry Smolyakov, who they UFC hired back into the UFC just to lose, hopefully, to Greg Hardy. Um, I I I'm not expecting to spend a whole lot of time on this. I'm going to pick. Dmitry Smolyakov because he has a 9-2 record and some MMA skills and as far as I can tell he's not an absolute horrible person. Yeah, the thing here
1: is I'm going to put aside the fact that Hart, that um I'm going to pretend that Hardy's not a horrible person and the thing that I think should worry him and credit to the UFC because they don't often give people give me give me fights. It's very very rare. What Hardy has to look up for here is Smolyakov has several submission wins over far more experienced competitions um, than Greg Hardy. So I, I'm going to pick Sm- Smolyakov uh, by submission um, if he can avoid getting, um, getting KO'd. And although Hardy tagged his last opponent plenty at the professional level, it didn't, it didn't seem, you know, we're not talking in Ganu power here. Um, so if he's not able to knock the guy out and he ends up in an unfavorable position, uh, I think there's a really good chance he gets napped.
0: Yeah, I'm there with you. Um, we've got Mike Perry going up against Alex Oliveira, uh, fight it with a couple of, uh, guys that were once seen as prospects who are now kind of figuring out their, their place in the division. Maybe they're two gatekeepers. Uh, they're, they are. They are. They are
1: action fighters with fight IQ, game plan, problem deficiencies.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, probably a very kind way to put it. Well, I that's something next... you can
1: fix if you look at the way that Thiago, Thiago Santos fought um, uh, Jan Blankovic. Like, you know, you can, you can sometimes teach an old dog new tricks, but the, here's the thing. O, Oliveira fights in that... You know, he's he's a Brazilian fighter who create ends up in crazy scrambles where wild things happen. He's a very good uh, rangy striker, and he's got a um, he's he's got a, cre- a creative uh, jujitsu game. Um, so whatever happens, you're you're in trouble. And he's always he's always attacking, as opposed to you know Mike Perry, who more and more um, seems to be. Fighting in the Eric Silva school of like parking lot brawler, um, so I, I feel like there's a greater chance that uh, that Perry's gonna find himself uh, in trouble, not unlike how he did in the Cerrone fight. Um, and Olivera's Olivera just has more tricks in the bag, so I, I think he'll. I think Olivera, um, unless Perry's really able to keep his head about him. I think Cowboy's uh, snags probably a submission. Um, or maybe ends up on top and win and wins uh, with elbow, ground and pound um, in the. I think probably the second or third round. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm there with you, Mike Perry. Yeah, taking down Donald Cerrone not the best idea in the world. You've <laughs> With the man before, you know what he can do to you on the ground. Why would you do that, Mike Perry? Alex Oliveira actually does go into some of his bouts with what looks like a game plan, and I and I think he's capable of adapting to some extent if something isn't going his way. Now, I do think the wheels often fall off later on in about yeah. later on in a crazy bout if if a guy's just trading a blow for blow and crazy for crazy. If a guy's coming back from his big offensive blitzes and and putting some hurt on Oliveira. Um, I, I do think he has a bit of a hard time coming back. So there's certainly a way for Mike Perry to win this bout, right? He can tag him and, and, and kind of...
1: if, if Yancy Medeiros was able, was able to beat him, you know, Mike Perry can lull him into and win the same kind of firefight. It's definitely. possible. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and he certainly got uh, better physical attributes to accomplish exactly that than Medeiros, although he may be not quite as durable as Medeiros. Um, Yeah, I I favor Oliveira because he's got a solid ground game. I favor him because he seems to show aspects of a game plan uh, in in some of his bouts. Not all of them. He actually looked pretty darn good in his last bout against Gunnar Nelson until Nelson was able to take him down late in that second round and get a submission. But he was beating the snot out of Nelson until then. Carlo Pedersoli, he just ran through by countering a kick. Didn't need a whole lot of practice to do that. Carlos Condit, he submitted uh, with a guillotine choke in the second round, which is impressive. even even in 2018. Yancy Vederos, yes, he, he beat the guy up, and, and he took some shots, and he beat the guy up again, and then he ended up losing in that third round. Um, I don't know that Perry has that kind of uh, adjustment in him. I do think he can tag him, but I favor Alex Oliveira because he's got a lot more skill in a lot more places until about the third round. Yeah,
1: Mike Perry psychologically seems to go to, like, Cody Garbrand territory um, sometimes.
0: I could see that, but he, Mike Perry actually has the chin to pull that off. Um, whereas Cody Bar- Garbrandt has the power to match, but not really the durability. But yeah. I, agree. He, he's also not as skilled as Cody Garbrandt. He doesn't have the speed advantage over multiple. No, he's players.
1: not. I just mean he seems to get emotional and and, and yeah, yeah. it makes you know makes puts him uh, can he can snatch defeat from the jaws of victory by by fighting emotionally and by sacrificing defense uh, into in, um, in favor of Machismo.
0: Yeah, I think Oliveira actually does that late too, and you're right about McParry. I agree there. Oliveira does it as well, I think. But it, again, it seems to be a lack of focus later in bout as he gets tired, as he takes some damage, he just does not make nearly as good of decisions later in bout. And I mean, quite he frankly, he's angry. He's just kind of having a party, like always. You know, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> he's, he's he's an absolute wild man, uh, Alex Oliveira, and quite frankly, so is Mike Perry. This is one of those bouts on this card that promises to be exciting as all hell. Like it's a good match me. 100%. percent they like, I cannot see this bout being boring. If this bout is boring, then MMA is not what I know it to be. Um, everything about this bout says it's going to be insane. Do not get up off your couch and pick up your snack at this moment. Um, it's worth the wait. Um so yeah, definitely looking forward to the bout. We both favor Oliveira, but it sounds like we both see, you know, Mike Perry with the kind of power that he has and the kind of firefight that Oliveira is often willing to have. How Mike Perry can take this bout by tagging He's, him.
1: We've got uh, all the same picks so far. Let's see on a, uh, go over to Share against Ian. Ian uh, is that how you say his name? Ian Kudalaba. Uh, I
0: I think the, on the broadcast they usually say Eon, but Ian yeah. is good with oh. me, man. Uh, I'm I think, sure
1: we're both bossing it. You know, to share a who's a, a very likable fighter um, is favored here, but the line is fairly close. But I think, listen, Teixeira got very lucky against, I believe it was Carl Robertson, um, and bar- barely survived the, those elbows from a much, a much lesser fighter um, to take back control and get the, get the choke. Um, I think that is as tough and experienced as he is at, at 40 years old, um, that he's coming up against, uh, a, a young lion with some fire in his hands. And I think, uh, I don't, I don't think, Glo- I don't think that, uh, Glover gets through this one. I think he, I think he gets knocked out in the first or second round.
0: Yeah, to your point, I'm still pretty confident that he was knocked out at one point in his last bout against Carl Robertson, where he kind of came back and got that top position submission after, I mean, after just getting pounded and, and again, looking like he was out. I, yeah, I guess I'm going to favor Eon ever so slightly. This is a bout that I may change my mind on because, you know, you like I, I like Eon actually because he's entertaining as heck and he's, he's yeah. again, uh, much like, the two participants in the bout after this one, Oliveira and Perry, uh, Kurelaba is a madman. He is insane. Um, he's got a lot of power, a lot of testosterone, and 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 he fights like it. Um, he survived his last bout, I would say just barely, uh, against a gentleman that we mentioned earlier in uh, anti Antigulov. See how I was stalling as much as I could before actually saying his name. Um, yeah. he, he survived... You know, a lot of several takedowns and got right back up quickly and then ended up pounding him out. I, I guess I'm giving eon the edge as well, but I could certainly see Glover Teixeira getting an early takedown under Kutilaba's kind of wild punches, shooting under it, getting that early takedown, and finishing with an arm triangle choke. I can absolutely see that happening here. Um, but, but but again, we're, we're both in the same wing so far. Next up, we've got uh, John Lineker versus Corey Sanhagen. I'm pretty big on Sanhagen. I think he's I, know you are. I, know. I, I think he's a, a legit prospect to watch. I I found his last performance, even though it was a first-round armbar win, against Mario Batista to be a little bit underwhelming. Granted, Batista walked into that bout undefeated. But, you know, he, he took a bunch of shots. And that concerns me against an opponent like John Lineker, who you can't really afford to take shots against. Lineker has this effect um, – he, by the way, much like the several other fighters that we mentioned in this event, a goddamn wild man, Nick. He is insane, John Lineker. He yeah. waits forward with these uh, looping hooks, and it seems like he kind of sets up the head punches with the body punches. And, and the other way around, he'll, he'll go to the body a couple times, and it hurts. So guys will start bringing their arms down, exposing their head, and then he'll go to the head really hard. And if that doesn't knock you out, it hurts, and it bring, makes you want to bring your hands back up again, exposing your body. Um He's, he's, a, he's a tough out against anyone. What's fascinating about this matchup is that um, there's a big height difference here. John Lineker at 5'3 and Corey Sanhagen at 5'11. Wow. Big size difference. Um, and again, if you look at the records, John Lineker at 38, uh, 31-8 versus Corey Sanhagen's 10-1. Lineker granted has fought a lot of high-level competition in the last several years. I'm giving it to Lineker because Sanhagen's hittable, and I think that Lineker can kind of back him up against that fence. Sanhagen's insane and he will fight back and he will not relent. But I think Lineker's power advantage and Sanhagen's hit ability might might be the difference here. Uh, even when TJ Dillashaw beat Lineker and he beat him up on the ground when TJ was able to get top position, he roughed him out. But the thing is that TJ really needed top position because he wasn't doing that great standing. And even after TJ bro- broke Lineker's uh, jaw and beat him up over those two and a half rounds. In the last moments of that third round, Lineker was still going for the kill. Um, he's a wild man, and I think that might be enough, despite the huge size discrepancy here.
1: Yeah, I think it's... Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's too much too soon for Sandhagen. Um, I mean, experience wise, Lineker has fought everybody. Um, at... Um, you know, he fought He fought a ton of guys of the best of the best at flyweight um, and, at, and at bantamweight. He never fought, you know, he never fought DJ or Cejudo, but he did fight. He fought Dillashaw, Dodson, Michael McDonald, Ian McCall, uh, Francesco Rivera. Um, you know, he's had a lot of big fights. He has been, you know, he has been submitted once um, and oh, twice in his career. But, I mean, in his recent career, he's also been doing this for 11 years. He's just... He's just—he's more seasoned. He's tough as hell, and I think he's gonna. Despite the uh, height, the height discrepancy, I think he's gonna find. I think he's gonna find that chin, and um, you know, he really hurts people when he lands.
0: You think uh, Lineker finishes Sanhagen?
1: Um, I don't know if he finishes him, but I think he. I think he gets the win. I don't know enough about Sanh ha- about the durability of Sanhagen's chin uh and and how po- and I'm still ch- getting a sense of how potent Linegar's punches are at 130 at 135 versus 125 um he doesn't seem like quite the murderer at 135 he was at at 125 I agree uh, but he still friggin hits hard <laughs> so i think uh i think he probably gets it done um will you know we'll see but i'm pick i was i'm picking lenicker
0: i will say this though um for, to Corey Sanhagen's credit he called lineker out so it's not like he's kind of getting you know off this bout that he's not ready that he feels he's not ready for and that he feels like he's in over his head. Um, he wanted this specific fight and he trains with the elevation fight team uh, that's TJ Dillashaw's camp as well. so again the last guy to beat the last guy to beat, uh, the last guy to beat uh, uh, John Lineker... Is on the same team as his upcoming opponent. Sanhagen has a couple of things going his way besides the size, but yeah, uh, I think Lineker's the same bet. It would be pretty cool to see Sanhagen get a win here because I think he's got more long-term upside in the division, and it would be great to. I agree. To see a, a prospect make it through the bout.
1: It's just a big step up. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Linaker. But if we find out that Sanhagen's doing is blood doping, I'll pick Sanhagen. Um, that,
0: that, is, that is very fair.
1: Uh, next fight, uh, Rosie Ro- Roosevelt Roberts against Thomas Gifford. Uh, biggest odds discrepancy on the card. Um, I'm going with with Roberts here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the the wrestler over the guy who's comfortable going for submissions off his back. Uh, <laughs> and Thomas Gifford. You
1: don't have to say much more than that,
0: right? Um, uh, yeah, d- d- definitely in a big way favor. Roberts here. I th- I think he's a, a pretty serious prospect to watch. I just hope they kind of let him work his way up slowly as they seemingly so far are.
1: Um the next one, next fight's interesting. Um
0: Ben Saunders versus Takashi Sato. Ben
1: Saunders, man, he has been around forever. He um you know, he came on as as a 40 and 2 fighter. Um, on the Tough Hughes versus Sarah,
0: which In was 2007, 12 Nick.
1: Twelve years ago, I don't believe that any other contestants from that show are anywhere near um, the UFC right now. We got Mac Danzig, who won the show and had a had a you know <gasps> a good career.
0: Yeah.
1: And Billy Miles, Joe Scarola, who who quit the show. Troy Man, uh Mandalones who is the Hawaiian fighter. We had um, oh, that wasn't the one that Matt, that wasn't the Matt Riddle show. Um,
0: Not a whole lot of gold coming from that season, huh? And or War,
1: War, War Machine. War
0: Machine uh, is gold, Nick. That's the gold from that season.
1: Tommy Spear, who got almost won the almost won the show, knocked out George Sauteropoulos, and then got murdered by Rumble Johnson in Rumble's first UFC fight. One oh, of yeah. the just a brutal knockout, but. All these—I mean, all these guys are long gone um, from the UFC, if not from MMA in general. Um, even George Satoropoulos, who had a who had a pretty good run as a as a as a jiu-jitsu specialist, but you've got Ben Killerby Saunders still. Um, you know, he's lost his last two fights, but within the last year, he knocked out Jake Ellenberg. He's uh, he's one and four in his last five but if you extend it out past that he has wins against Court McGee, Jacob Volkman. Um he did lose to Kote. He's always had trouble with top 10 competition. Um but that's not what he's fighting uh uh tomorrow night or Saturday night. He's fighting at Takashi Sato uh or Sato in his first uh, I believe his first UFC bout. Um and Sato's favored but um I I like a I like Killer B's submission game in this fight.
0: Yeah, um, Sato, Sato, it's it's hard to gauge how he'll perform here. I mean, this, this is his UFC debut, and he's coming all the way from Japan to the U.S. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the first time, but I imagine he's not gonna be he's not gonna be terribly fresh. He does have some power and and uh, and. He can come back from taking a licking, too, in, in the one uh, bout of tape that I was able to find on him. Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll take Sato, but I would not be surprised if Saunders out-techniques him because I, I do think Saunders should have the technique edge. Um, Sato is just Saunders is not durable, man. Like He can have a competitive
1: bout. He's very, he's very chinny, and he leaves his, he's very tall, and he leaves his head up there like James Vick does.
0: Yeah, uh, Sato is not quite as tall as Saunders. I believe Sato is five eleven, um, but he does have a bit of height on him and very tall. Yeah, um, what does concern me about Sato is his lack of activity. It doesn't seem like he's busy enough. Yeah, which makes me—I uh, don't even know if he'd be busy enough to catch Saunders. Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll I'll leave it at Sato as of now, at least. Uh, maybe I'll end up changing this my picks for this bout and the Teixeira bout later later in the week. Um, and next up, we've got Andre Arlovski going up against Augusto Sakai. Uh, another one of these prospect versus veteran bouts.
1: Yeah, like, I hate I like, hate picking against Arlovski, but he's just he you know he's still he's not bad. It's just hard for him to beat UFC level competition.
0: Yeah, Arlovski will actually. Again, it's not like the UFC division is just absolutely stacked, but if you look at his long-term record, it is uh, what is it? It is eight two and eight. Nick, in his last ten bouts, I mean, it's it's not looking good. However, those losses are to Engano, Barnett, Overeem, Miocic, Tuivasa, who's a young up-and-coming uh, prospect, Walt Harris, who's a prospect. Uh, I think they're actually uh, changing. I, I think they should have changed the. Uh, the loss to Walt Harris to a no contest because of Walt Harris's uh, usada suspension. Yeah, they did change it to a to a no contest. They um, did. Uh, for some reason, it's not updated on the page I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, not a great record for Arlovsky in a while.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me. As much as I want to pick him, it's difficult.
0: Same here. I, I actually, um, I I see a bright future for Augusto Sakai, who's a fairly athletic, well conditioned. Heavy hitter, decent takedown defense. I think those attributes can go a long way in, in the heavyweight division, um, even in the UFC. The majority of that top 15, top 20 is pretty mediocre. Sakai, I think, has the goods to beat an Andre Arlovsky. I don't expect for him to um, kind of shit the bed the way that some of the other questionable, you know, Junior Albini is a guy who recently lost to Stefan Struve on the downside of his career. I don't expect him to. Uh, to perform at that level. I expect him to have enough power, enough takedown defense, because I think takedowns is partially Harlovsky's been winning some of these bouts against guys that don't really have much defense there. Um, He shouldn't be able to do that against Sakai. I expect Sakai's power, uh, athleticism, and um, he actually has a pretty good gas tank for a big guy, too. So, yeah, I expect this to be a good performance for him. I'm hoping he can finish Harlovsky, Um, and I, I don't say this because I want Harlovsky to be knocked out again. I say it because I would like for this to be a bit of an entrance for Sakai and for people to start paying attention. If he's going to win this bout, um, you know, it would be almost a waste if it was a ho hum fight.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, a few a few fights remaining. Let's sit through these. We've got uh, Carla Esparza, the, the inaugural uh, strawweight champion, fighting uh, Vima Jandaroba. Um I guess Esparza has done a little bit better recently but i st- i'm gonna pick uh i'm gonna pick janda over her
0: yeah i'm gonna pick asparza because uh, you know just because she's probably going to be the better wrestler and if if verna can't get takedowns i don't expect her to do too well standing
1: um you're at gilbert burns over over uh and mike davis i'm gonna take gilbert burns in on that one
0: yeah, me too. I actually think Mike Davis is going to be a, a fun, fun fighter to watch as, as his career in the UFC progresses. He's probably not going to be a top guy anytime soon, but he can make for some very fun fights. He, he's, he's explosive, powerful, um, athletic, confident. Um, he's got a lot going for him. His one loss was to Sadiq Yusuf, who we now know is, is really the, the cream of the crop when it comes to prospects in the lightweight division. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that Mike Davis is taking this bat on short notice, but I favor Gilbert Gilbert Burns' ability to finish on the ground and on the feet. Um, and also Mike Davis with only a couple-week notice in the UFC debut. Um, not a lot going in his favor, but he can potentially catch Burns because Davis has some serious power in those hands. Uh, Jim Miller versus Jason Gonzalez. You going with the veteran or the prospect? Well, people are going with, uh, with Gonzalez here, but when I look,
1: when I look at uh... – his record and kind of like what he's shown uh versus Jim Miller's experience and grit I, th- I think that I think there's still uh, I think that you know Jim Miller still has a few tricks left in his bag I think he'll I think he'll get the submission in this fight
0: yeah I favor Jim Miller as well I, I don't think Jason Gonzalez has very good takedown defense he's like 6'1 which is very tall for a lightweight but he kind of Crunches down and mostly throws power shots at a short range. Doesn't really take advantage of his reach. So Jim Miller should be able to get takedowns here. Wouldn't be surprised if Gonzalez catches him, but it takes more than just like you know a random head kick to to catch Jim Miller. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna place some faith in the veteran here.
1: So on short notice, Angie's Angie's fighting again. I feel like she just fought a couple weeks ago against uh, uh, Marcos. Right um, and got, got subbed quickly. So she's right back in here against Jody Esquivel, who's got the distinction of having lost to Jessica Aguiar. Um, so uh, Angie's heavily favored at minus 600 here. The biggest favorite on the card, uh, which is kind of surprising for someone coming off of a loss. Um,
0: Especially a first-round loss.
1: Yeah, but um, I, I'm going I'm to pick her. I think this is a, uh, I think she puts on a striking ex- exhibition.
0: Yeah, I think the style matchup favors her in a big way. Escobar doesn't really have much reach. Angie's really comfortable standing up. She has decent pop for a 115-pound fighter, and and uh, you know her footwork has actually been coming along over the last couple years. Um, She trains. uh, She started her career under uh, my friend uh, Brandon Levy's Evolution Muay Thai, and got a 16-0 Muay Thai record under that camp. So shout out to Brandon Levy at Evolution Muay Thai. yeah, I favor Angie Hill. I, I think this is a great stylistic matchup for her. Jody's short arms, even though she has some pop in her hands, um, should have a hard time reaching Ange- Angela. And, and this will be nice because this will give Angela a little bit of room to breathe and improve uh, and, and, uh, and, and make it to her next bout. I think she's got um, the potential to be kind of at the, uh, at the lower half of that top 10 in the near future if she could just link a couple of small details in her game together because she does have plenty of skill. Um, it's just a matter of using our athleticism right. Court yes. McGee. you got to work a little more sprawl into her brawl. But, um, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, um, and the, the first fight
1: of the night, the, the veteran, uh, this is actually a, a veteran fight altogether, Court McGee against Diego Lima. Um, it's tough one to pick. I see this, I see this, oh, oh, this fight um, spending a lot of time on the cage. I don't know what you think. Um but I think I I have a yeah. feeling it's gonna be a grindy a grindy fight that Court that Court McGee pulls out. Um mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way.
0: Yeah, L- Lima looked good in his last bout um and, and scored kind of a big upset against Chad Lepree, whose chin has been not looking so good lately. Um but another guy whose chin hasn't looked good, period, is Diego Limas. Um it's fascinating to think that him and Douglas Lima are brothers. Given the kind of very different level of talent they have, Lima actually offensively is pretty talented, but man, he just cannot take a punch. Um, he's got to change his entire game up, kind of like Cesar Ferreira has over the last several years, and and he's got and, and kind of like Andre Arlovski has as well, actually, and make himself way less available to be hit. Um, I, I do favor Court McGee. Uh, I, I you know he doesn't have the power to be knocking guys out left and right, but his pressure, I think is what's going to win him the bout. Diego Lima tends to kind of circle out and uh, uh, kind of leave his back up against the fence. And Court McGee, like you said, is going to kind of grind grind him into the fence from there. Um, I like Lima. McGee's a good dude too. Um, I like Lima, so I I would like to see him kind of pull through as a younger guy who maybe has some upside in the division, maybe uh, go further away from that UFC curse. His last bout was his first win in something like six or seven UFC bouts. Uh, but I'm going to favor McGee here to put the pressure on and win a busy decision. Um, that well, def- enough, there's enough disparity to make it interesting
1: for you to maybe sneak up on I me and improve your your record, which is currently six
0: three and three in your favor, Nick.
1: Oofah. Uh, um, or is it seven three and three? No, uh, I think it's it's six now.
0: It, it is six now. Yeah, that that hurts, Nick. Man,
1: I'm not uh, doing it on purpose. Um,
0: I, I think you are. I think you're conspiring with somebody or other in order to make this happen. I just haven't figured out what yes. it is yet. In the meantime, I'm, sure I'm going to sit here with my tinfoil hat and uh, ponder away. I'm
1: dirtier um, than pride, man. Dirtier than pride. <laughs> it uh, is,
0: it's funny because we both picked really well in this last event. It was just, uh, it was just, uh, we had three fights of a difference. Uh, I, um, I was right on one of them. You were right on the other two, um, and and that was enough to edge it out for you, Nick.
1: You don't pick against your friends.
0: Apparently, um, uh, apparently not, and, and you and Roxy are, are are homies. I know. Well, I mean, I, w- I mean, she occasionally responds to one of my emails
1: with like a one-word response. I wouldn't say that we're homies. I would say that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a supportive fan. Um, and homies, Nick. That but, to
0: me, uh, if that is not a a close friendship, Nick, then I've never had one. <laughs> so,
1: um, uh, let's talk about Bellator for just a minute, at least the main event, um
0: to yeah,
1: and, and to see card. welterweights
0: from different eras. Um. My, uh, we, we've got Roy McDonald going up against John Fitch. Um, in, in I think the semifinals of that welterweight tournament. Now, because Roy McDonald is the Bellator middleweight cha- uh, I'm sorry, Bellator welterweight champion, he's going to have that title on the line against Fitch here. Um, even though they're kind of working their way up in a tournament bracket. Fitch has had a bit of a renaissance in his career recently. Um, it coincided somewhat with his, uh, with his steroid. Basically, ever since he popped for steroids, he hasn't lost a bout, Nick. And he's looked in ever-excellent shape, especially considering he, I think, at some point at least was a vegan. Um, he just looks chiseled, Nick. Um, and at a very late stage in his career, he's having a, a, a bit of a renaissance. And it yeah, all just he just said he's been earnest
1: about it, that he was doing it, that he was he was upset, that he was doing it poorly, that he got infected at the injection sites, yeah. and he just what, he didn't think it had much of an impact because he wasn't doing it even properly, and has since just quit. So he, he I, I kind of believe that because the story was so embarrassing and he was so candid about what a disaster it was... Um, and admitted that he actually was injecting. I feel like it's likely that he hasn't been on the juice since he got caught.
0: Well, Um, my problem is that he once, at the pinnacle of his career when he was a younger man, never looked in the shape that he looks in now. And he doesn't look in much worse shape than when he got popped. He just suddenly became swole, Nick, and he stayed swole. Um, I, I, I I think that the way that he put his explanation is he said something along the lines of, I was doing it wrong. Uh, I don't even know what I was doing wrong. Um, I'm sure he knows what he was doing wrong by now, Nick. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Now, uh, uh, you know, uh, unless he gets popped, obviously, we'll never know. But, yeah, like, w- let's see how this fight goes. Um, McDonald got beat up in his last bout against... Uh, he got
1: beat up. He had nothing for Musasi. Nothing.
0: Yeah, Musasi M- laid a whooping on that man, Nick, and you never really see Rory get dominated like that.
1: Well, Well, the problem for Rory is, like, those lot. I, I do wonder if that um that second Lawler fight took really took something from you know from his life force because he hasn't looked fantastic in any of his Bellator fights and he looked um he was okay against Maya. He looked really terrible against Wonderboy. Um you would think particularly uh, is he still training with, he's still training with Zahabi, right? Or no?
0: I believe so. I believe he still trains with Tristar Jim, although I I remember seeing in an interview a year or so ago that he is still training with some of his old uh, – like in, in his hometown with some of his old mates, so I'm not sure exactly what oh. he's doing. Leading up fact,
1: GSP wrote the book on, on um, making Fitch human. Um, yes, that faints, is true. and jabs and distance, and he just pieced him up in about – in like 2009 2008 or 2009 right um so 10 years ago i mean rory's you know rory's younger uh bigger broader for sure or at least he he should be um and he's got he's got a more diverse game um yeah the the question is is he going to fight smart and what's left what is even though he's he's considerably younger what does he have left in in the gas tank um because he certainly didn't look like he showed up to fight Musasi. He had no, for a guy that fought the fights that he did against Robbie Lawler, he should have been able to um, impose his will considerably more than, than he did against Musasi. I'm not saying no, he, he absolutely would have terrifying. won the fight, but he really did. I mean, he was just badly outclassed.
0: He was. He, he was. He should have at least been able to hang in there in that bout. Musasi is the bigger man, but yeah, that, that was just a drubbing and. It was interesting when guys from two different weight divisions that you'd never expect to match up end up fighting each other, and that was just one of those cases where the smaller yeah. guy got smoked.
1: He, he did get smoked. And Mousasi was, you know, a very successful light heavyweight. Um, yes. You know, he he definitely fought big dudes. Like, McDonald was not a small welterweight um, yeah. at all, but, yeah, he just got smoked. So let's, you know, let's see. I suspect... Um, I think it's going to be a close fight. I think McDonald's going to do more damage. Um, almost like his fight with Maya, it'll it'll come down uh, to control, and Maya didn't quite control McDonald enough. Um, we'll see if Fitch does over five rounds. I don't think he will.
0: Yeah, I, I don't expect him to either. Again, unless the juice is really, um, unless he really is on it, and and it's really giving him a huge boost here. Uh, I expect that McDonald is a better martial artist and I don't know that Fitch has the ability to really hurt him and you kind of have to hurt Rory to make him give up. Um I I don't know that Fitch has that in his toolbox at all. Benson Henderson is fighting uh Adam Piccolotti. Henderson hasn't looked very awesome in Bellator. I don't know if you've been keeping up with him at all. Uh, a little
1: bit. He hasn't been looking awesome.
0: No, but, but but he's fighting this uh this notably younger guy who is Two and two, it looks like. Well, actually, he's he's got quite a bit of Bellator experience. He's only got two losses in Bellator. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. He's got he's eight and two, uh, seven and two in the U- in Bellator, which is fairly impressive.
1: Ben Henderson with his uh, with his resume should not be losing to a guy that got beat by Dave Rickles. I know MMA math is dangerous. I, I like yeah. Dave Rickles, but like you, you know, Benson should be able to. Uh, to win yeah. this
0: game. after all benson's losses are to patricky pitbull michael chandler and andre koreshkov who are the very best fighters in uh in bellator
1: Karchkov was massive he just i mean
0: yeah he, koreshkov is a big 170 pounder and uh and uh henderson is a 155 pounder
1: yeah that was a pure he lost that fight i mean similar to what we we're talking about at the beginning of the show um, with Roxy and Sajara Eubanks. like hence, Henderson could not win that fight because he wasn't strong enough. That's it,
0: yeah, I think you're probably right,
1: but he should be um, able to he should be able to uh, to win this fight
0: i I agree with you there. um I don't know much about Piccatti, but i agree if if he's lost to David Rickles in the last little while, um even a faded Ben Henderson should do well here now obviously, the intricacies of the stylistic matchup uh, will play a factor I, I don't I've seen Peccalotti fight once or twice. I don't remember much about his style Um, and we've also got Phil Davis going up against Liam McGeary in their in their uh, rematch I actually have trained uh, with Liam McGeary a couple of times as a good dude um, here in here in New York at Church Street Boxing Uh, Phil Davis uh, was able to basically wrestle him at will and do whatever he wants it seemed like McGeary didn't really uh, didn't really focus on wrestling at all back then in his career and since then he's he's shown notable improvement um, his last bout, actually to that point, is is against uh, King Mo wall who, by the way, is a is a fraction of his former self. But, yeah, he
1: got, he got he got knocked out over the weekend.
0: Yeah, uh, over the weekend again, he did. Wow.
1: Yeah, oh. I think he's I think he retired. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, it's he it's, got knocked, out. Like he got
1: knocked it's... out in the third round
0: it's definitely time for mola wall. Yeah, he, he his his chin went a little while ago and, and he kept competing. I know he's a student of the game, so it's a shame that he was never really able to do all that much outside of strike force with his uh, with his talent, but yeah, uh, Phil Davis and McGeary here. I I favor Davis's uh, wrestling advantage. I mean, uh, even though McGeary's really improved on it quite a bit and has been looking he looked really good in his last bat. Excuse me. My grandmother keeps calling me while I'm recording this podcast. <laughs> um, he he, um, McGeary's really improved his last thing, but I, I think Phil Davis is still kind of on another league just because he's been doing this since he was a kid, basically. Um, I would love to see McGeary come out with a win here because I think he's way more fun to watch, and I think Phil Davis flailing around his extremely long and powerful-looking arms and landing weak punches onto people's wrists is really getting tiresome i would love for phil davis to like improve in some way since his ufc debut but
1: yeah uh, it was tiresome for me when he got gifted that decision against machida that's one of the angriest uh decisions i've ever witnessed
0: i remember i remember thinking it was close I, I don't remember the details of that one but i wouldn't be surprised yeah um phil davis i favor him there but i'd love to see mcgary win he's a good dude and he's way more fun to watch
1: cool um I guess on those, on picking those fights, if we're gonna, are we gonna score these, or are we just picking – them up?
0: No, no, we're just, we're just kind of doing throwaways. I think we're gonna keep focusing on the UFC until Bellator starts putting out a more consistent kind of high level product. Well,
1: that's cool. We we covered a lot of stuff tonight.
0: We, we did. I do have a couple of uh, quick bets here. I'm actually going to play some bets on this event. Um, Carlos Barza plus one hundred five, I think, is a really good deal given her wrestling advantage, and she's going up against a top position grappler. Probably won't be able to take a it down. Um, uh, Augusto Sakai is a minus 145 underdog against Arlovsky. and I think he should be a much bigger favorite. Um, and I would definitely plop down some money on him. Um, I actually think Miller is worth putting some money down, even though he's uh, minus 140 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Court McGee, we both pick Court McGee for good reason. He's a little bit of a favorite uh, over the uh, less talented Lima brother um and finally uh Angela Hill even though she's such a huge favorite over Escobel, she's something like a minus 600 favorite which is kind of insane um you can get her at minus 225 by decision Angela Hill generally tends to win fights by decision and Escobel is tough enough i think to to make it to the bell um i would uh i would actually put in Souza uh as in Jacare at minus 200 and uh Sakai at minus 145 into a parlay together which will give you plus 153 odds. I think those guys are very likely to win, and I think getting plus 153 um, on, on uh, odds on, on, on a parlay like that with only two variables, only two bouts, um, is probably a good plan here. We're going to figure out how well these bets do for me on our next episode, Nick.
1: Well, the bet I want to place is a... I like rolling with the extremely dangerous underdog parlays, and I think a parlay of Dmitry Smolyakov uh, Ian Kudalaba, and um, to round it out, um, hang on. Who is my? Th- I had another pick here. Oh, Ben Saunders. I think those those three underdog picks would would fetch you a, a pretty penny.
0: Nick, Nick, do you have those odds in front of you? Um,
1: I'm trying, but the the site doesn't seem to be.
0: Give me, give me the fighters again quickly. I want to punch this um, in and figure out what the odds uh, would be in the for last
1: week. Smolyakov, Kudaba, and Saunders.
0: Uh, got it. Let me see here quickly. Smolyakov. Oh wait, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at last week's card. Uh, the odds for last week's card. So we've got Saunders is a plus one seventy five. That'll fetch a pretty penny. Um. Smolnyakov, where is he on the card? Uh, co-main event. That's right. Uh, plus two eighty-five. Wow, I didn't realize he was such a big underdog.
1: Oh, that's Greg Hardy's famous. And then, um, and then Ben uh, Saunders.
0: Ben Saunders, who is a, uh, I think I have Saunders. Oh, was, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kudalaba. Kudalaba. It was plus one hundred five. Oh, Nick, this will be great odds. But the odds of all three of them working out, man, I don't know. Saunders, Saunders is the
1: one I'm most worried about, to be honest. But
0: Nick, if you put $100 down on this three-fight parlay, you will win $2,070. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. You going to plop down some dough on this, or what?
1: I might. I think I should start betting more. The problem is I've been really lucky in our in our picks, and like I feel like as soon as I start wagering...
0: <laughs> wage My- Wagering is a whole different game because you're playing with the odds um w- like that changes everything but yeah l- l- let's put this one to the metal um let's see if let's see if this three fight parlay works out for you do you want to would you like to place yeah. any other bets on record um i mean i'd like
1: to i like to bet underdog bets uh, underdog bets and parlays uh no, that's it. I think that's those are all the those are all the places. Right, I'd I'd put my money. I think it's, I think the the notion that our Arlo, that Arlovsky has enough in the in the bank to still win fights is I don't. It's not something I really believe. So I think, at minus one forty five, uh, it's worth betting on Sakai. I think Jim Miller at minus one forty five is a viable bet. Um, I would. I never bet on any on anything as big as Angie Hills minus six hundred. It's just like. Pennies on the dollar,
0: uh, but but again, that's why that uh, you have that option of Hill by decision at minus two twenty five, right. uh, which I think makes it a lot more reasonable. Yeah, I always love dive, diving in, uh, you
1: know, diving in other stuff. like I would pick small. I don't know what the odds are of Smolio Cup by submission, but I, that's where I would, you know, I would add that to the parlay as a fourth option, and that then it probably turns into you put down a hundred plus
0: you know, seven eighty eight you know. nick. Slowly yeah. of by submission. If you bet one hundred dollars, you would win seven hundred and eighty-eight dollars of profit alone.
1: Yeah. So if you if you put that into the, par, the other parlay, I'm sure it gets really rich. Um, yeah. So yeah. who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll a little bit. I mean, either that or something like that. Anyway.
0: You know what? An education is a worth what to can